Woo! Wow. I appreciated what Allie was talking about, you know, about uh, certain things that they come up and, and uh, you know, you're not excited about giving to those. How many of you know, like, if you blow an engine and you get to put a new engine, it's like it's great when it's running again, but it was like it was running before you blew up. Now you replace it and you go, man, I wasn't excited about giving. So anyway, in my random way of tracking things as I was listening to her talk about giving and thought that was cool, and it re- reminded me of the, this uh, prosperous businessman was out to lunch with a, a colleague and, and he was talking about uh, uh, something that happened. He said, uh, oh, about a month and a half ago, uh, my wife had her, 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 her purse uh, stolen. And he goes, oh no. Uh, must have been a, a lot of credit cards and stuff. No, she just uses one. And he, he said, uh, well, what did you do? Did you stop payment and cancel it? He said, oh, no. He said, you didn't, you didn't stop payment on that? You didn't, didn't stop that credit card? No, I didn't. He said, why? He said, because the thief's been using it, but he draws out less each month than my wife was. So <laughs> I figured... Figure I'd just keep, it, let it, keep going here, you know. Today we're going to talk about fear, fears, phobias. Today, before service, when I was getting ready for church, I got a chance to be the macho deliverer of my wife and family. Don't you love when wives freak out? You'll be driving and, and watch that. And I nearly run off the road. What is it? And, oh, that car pulled out a little too far. Oh my gosh, honey, you about caused me to run off the road, maybe hit the bicyclist or the three homeless people, you know. Pastor from Joy Church runs over three homeless. It was the woman that God gave me, you know. So this morning, she, Kim, Kim goes, ah, look! And, and I'm expecting like, you know, ninjas or someone climbing up the balcony into our house, you know, ready to, you know, go commando or, you know, monster, <laughs> not commando, probably not. <laughs> oh. Rambo would be better, yeah. Sometimes you just know it's not going to be a good day when you're preaching. It's like, let's just get some pizza and call it a day, huh? So I'm going, honey, what is it? She said, can't you see? Well, yeah, I think so, you know. Uh, yo soy un ciego. I'm a blind guy, you know. And so I go, yeah, what, what? She said, look at that giant spider. And it was a dandy, a daddy long leg, and he was coming on a wispy thing. So I walked over there, and I gave him his final applause. (laughs) And I took him out, and I dropped him over the balcony. Therefore, up till noon, I'm her hero. At which point then she'll say, what else have you done for me recently? But anyway, uh, we all have fears, don't we? Now, my wife is verifiable arachnophobe, fear of spiders. I don't know what the category of my phobia is, but it's rodents. I mean, I don't care what group of girls are, are with me, around me. 
if there's a mouse or rat sighting, I'm on the table uh, pushing you off playing king of the mountain. <laughs> Rodents and rats. And so <laughs> about three months ago, uh, a rat had got into our house. And so, so we're sitting and we're talking and then Percy goes, don't look, Pastor Steve, there's the biggest rat I've ever seen. Now, if there's like a rodent in the house, it's like my number one desire is gasoline and a match. Get the family photos, any family pets that you want to (laughs) keep. And this baby's going up in flames. If my house burns down, I know they're going to pull this tape and I'm busted. I'll be doing county time for like eight years. But rodents are my, my fear. And, and, and shout out your phobias. Did you, what was yours, Josiah? Cardboard and papers is your phobia? Yeah, okay. He, he, is there a psychiatrist in the house? <laughs> That's a whole new one. <laughs> Fear of cap and crunch boxes. Okay. There's a lot of phobias that, that are out there. Some of them that we're familiar with, claustrophobia, fear of tight spaces. Now, that one isn't necessarily manic. You know, if someone's putting you like in a, in a, in a casket and, and lowering you down into the ground while you're alive, that, that causes, I hate that when it happens, don't you? Yeah, I mean, that's, I don't think you're necessarily claustrophobic to be <laughs> concerned about that happening. But there's claustrophobia, aerophobia, fear of flying, uh, arachnophobia, fear of spiders. Uh, how about driving phobia? That's fear of driving a car. My wife has that concerning me driving. She fears me driving the car, which she has reason to, especially in snow. I'm a wreck. The sheriff just follows me filling out the accident report. It's not when I go off the road or, or how or whether I will. It's when and where, you know. Uh, emetophobia, fear of vomiting. I wish more people at the buffet had a fear of that, wouldn't you? You know, stop while you're ahead. Uh, erothophobia, fear of blushing. Hypochondria, Fear of becoming ill. How do you know if you have a hypochondria uh, phobia? It's you buy like all the medical dictionaries you can get. And no matter what your kids do, you're, you, there's got to be a disease we can believe in. And so, you, you know, you, you look it up. That, that was meant to be a joke. Okay. Zoophobia, fear of animals. Maybe uh, fear of rodents is under that. It's a subcategory. Aquaphobia, fear of water. Acrophobia, fear of heights. BLL phobia, which is a fear of injuries involving blood. Escalophobia, fear of escalators. And tunnel phobia, fear of tunnels. So we all kind of admit that, 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 there, that we have some fears. There's some other fears that people don't always identify that, that in pastoring, I've learned that some people fear losing face. And they go to very extensive uh, ways to hide the reality of just where they're at. How many of you know that, you know, to really do business with God, you've got to come clean. Adam, where are you? Not Adam, give me this 
religious uh, position paper on where you want to be in five years. Adam, I just need to know where you're at. And, and I've seen that people have a fear of being rejected or losing face or having someone think less of them. And, and it, it, those fears can carry over into, and whose child is this who's laid to rest? No, no, no. That's all right. Bring that baby here. I want to love on it. No, come here a minute. I don't have anything to say. I need to, I need to, I need to. Uh, uh. Oh, oh, oh. Look at this baby. <laughs> He's got so much hair. He stole it from my grandson, Wesley. <laughs> yeah. Get out of here, Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> That's one thing that, that I love is just all the kids. It really makes me glad to be a senior pastor because I don't have to work in children's church. And... Uh, how many of you know that we have a lot of kids? It's really wonderful. And our children's department under um, Drew and Mel are doing such a good job. And Christine did such a great job. We've had a long history of good uh, care. It's kind of like I'm giving an advertisement in the middle of the sermon here. So uh, people have fears and they can affect your marriage. You know, if you have a fear of being transparent and all of a sudden, you know, you're married to someone, you really love them, but you, you keep finding that you're lying to them. And uh, it's really tough to not conquer that fear, even to the point where they walk away and say, I, I can't take it anymore. So fears are those kind of things that we, we need to win yeah. over them. We need to conquer fears. And the good news is we're not on our own. We... Everyone has fears. Some of them are funny. I, I think of my invention that I, I want to create. It's called a monster periscope. And remember when you were a kid and you thought that the boogeyman was lurking in the dark and you jumped in your covers? I don't know. I've checked covers. They really don't, they don't, they don't do that much to prevent baseball bats from smacking you hard. They really don't do much against, like, Steak knives, bullets. <laughs> but when you're a kid, it's like you jump in bed and put your covers over your head. Now the monster can't get me. So I'm under there and I'm wondering, what's out there? And so I thought, I want to invent a monster periscope, kind of like they have in the U-boats and the submarines. Pops up, circles around. Then this big bloodshot eye looks in there. And the little thing says, some objects are actually closer than they appear in Periscope. Monster Periscope. That's what I want. That's, 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 that's what I want to create for all of the kids that are scared of the dark. Which we didn't even list that as one of the phobias, but that's a, a major one. Uh, before I get into the meat of the message, Johnny was a little tyke, and he had no fear of the dark. And so we had a joy camp out up at... Uh, Lake of the Woods. And so a bunch of us had our tents and, and uh, people that had trailers had them pulled up there. And there was a blackout and in the whole camp area, the, the lodge, and then and, and, uh, just no electricity. And all of a sudden, we noticed that Johnny is gone. 
So the first thing I said is I dispatched a group to go down to the waterfront. Just let's patrol the waterfront, make sure he's not down there. And uh, <laughs> here was Johnny, he's like three years old. You know, that big smile. Hi, I'm Johnny, everybody in the world loves me. <laughs> I know dad sucks to be you, but for me they love me, you know. We find him at this campsite and these people had like a propane lantern and here's Johnny going, Nandy, like candy, Nandy, you got Nandy? And they were hooking him up with candy. <laughs> no fear of the dark. He never has. Me, I've still got my Flintstone nightlight, you know what I'm saying? I'm not taking any chances, you know. Well, the Lord wants to help us with our fear. And the very end of chapter 8 of the book of Romans gives us some really awesome promises of how God is going to take away the fear of this and that and the other and show us how nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. But prior to moving on to our actual text scriptures, I want to do an aside which is also programmed in the notes. And look at some powerful scriptures from the book of 1 John, chapter 4, verses 16 through 18 from the ESV. It said, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. I like to pause. One of the guys that I love to hear teach over the years is, uh, is Pastor Frederick Casey Price. Pastor's a huge church in South Central LA. And Dr. Price is the kind, he can keep you spellbound by opening up one scripture. I'm just going, whoa, how do you get that much out of it? It's a gift to what they call exegete scripture, to pull out the meaning. But I like to pause sometimes because the Bible is the mind of God given to us in writing. And John here is saying, we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Probably three quarters of all the counseling that I have given over the great number of years that, that we've served here at Joy are trying to reassure people that God loves them to get them to know and to believe that reality. Wow. Sila. Think about it. We have come to know how much God is committed to us. Corey Asbury that wrote the book, or wrote the song, Reckless Love, it's been parsed. And you go on YouTube and there are people that are telling you how untheological it is and that how could God's love be reckless? And what Corey said was, when he found the love of God, it was like God threw off all abandon to come after him. Reckless is not an actual description that God is reckless in that he just kind of randomly loves people and he comes like a wrecking ball to mess everybody else up. But it's, it's, it's a depiction of the fact that as far as you're concerned, when you get hit with the love of God, 
It's so overwhelming. It's as though you were that sole object of his creation and of his desire. How many of you know that God can make every one of us know we're his favorite? How many of you, when you're in your prayer, you feel like, I'm so proud of you and you're my favorite. Yeah, but I know you're saying the same thing to Kim. We've come to know. Many people come to church and they, they, they haven't learned it yet. You know, you could actually spend your life in church or out of church and never come to know the love of God. I think part of that fear of transparency is why some people can never feel the love of God because they'll never confess to the stuff that really tore them up on the inside. That stuff that I think of sins that I've done, I'm so embarrassed by them still in my memories. How many of you know that there's stuff that maybe that you've done that you're just ashamed to even think of it? And really, to know the love of God, we've got to come and just say, Lord, here's all that I am. Throw me away if you have to. But I need to know, do you really love me? Is your scripture true? As far as the east is from the west, so far you remove my sins from me. How many of you know that that person that can overcome the fear of rejection and say, God, I'm here. They really, rather than the shame that they expect they're going to feel, they see this powerful father. Angels, kill the fatted calf. We got a dinner coming on here. The Bible said that all the angels of heaven rejoice when one sinner comes home. Whoa. <laughs> I agree with Corey Asbury. That's one of my favorite songs. You keep coming after me. I'm telling you something. Joining God is scarier than joining the mafia because you will never be happy when you're born of God to go back in the world. You'll never be able to go back to the sports bar and act like you're just a heathen. No, you'll be playing the hypocrite because you got touched by God and his love will pull you and pull you. And so John opens this up and I'll move on a little quicker than this, but we've come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. Next week, we're gonna be starting a series on the agape love of God. Agape love of God is nothing that man can manufacture. It's like righteousness. You can receive the righteousness of Jesus, but you can't make it. You can't create it in your, in, your, in your shop, or you can't create it in your kitchen. You can't create it even in your prayer closet, but in your prayer closet, you can receive it. Righteousness comes from God, so does his love. You cannot manufacture agape. We've come to know and to believe the love or the agape that God has for us. God is love. God is this tenderness, this care, this commitment for us. And whoever abides, they hang in that love atmosphere. Because 
If you've had a past, which most of us have had a past of one sort or the other, you feel those accusing. Who are you to think you're going to ever be something? I'm a beggar that got bread. <laughs> I'm a blind man that had my eyes opened. I was a sinner that earned hell, but I've been freely given the name of God, and he's crazy about me. And because I don't deserve anything from God, I'm going to ask for everything. Kim's down there trying to lead the clap. You know, get a little, come on, do it again, honey. Ready, everybody? Yeah. Okay. You guys in the video department, edit out anything and make that look like it was natural. Okay. Um, <laughs> Whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us or in us so that we may have confidence for or in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. This is one of the verses that I, that I was listening to Dr. Price talk about, Dr. Fred Price. And he blew me away with this 45-minute one verse talking about that as Christ is, so are we in this world. Not where Christ was. Not where Christ is going to be. Or even where Christ you'd like him to be. But where he is, is how you are in this world. Let me tell you how he is and, and how, how he is was how he was both in heaven before he came to earth, on earth and back in heaven, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and forever. See, when, when Jesus was sent from heaven to convey away the sins of the world through his sacrifice on the cross, Jesus did not lose his cool. He was in chaos. How many of you know we live in chaos in this world? This world is chaotic. The Bible said it's going to increase in chaos because evil men will grow worse and worse until the coming of the Lord. So don't expect everybody to behave and play nice in the sandbox. They won't. But as for you, arise, shine, your light has come, and the glory of God is risen upon you. The believers, our destiny is, the path of the just is like a shining light which grows brighter and brighter to the brightness of the noonday sun. That's your destiny. That's where dad's taken you. That's the journey that you're on. The bright light, not the one that the coming of the Lord is going to seize you like a thief in the night. It says the Lord's going to be like a thief in the night to those who who are not anticipating his coming. There's going to be a group of people that are praying in the coming of the Lord. They're excited about it. They anticipate it. And they're going to hear, get ready, boom, it's on like Donkey Kong. And so we see that as Jesus was in the heavenly realm, he walked in peace with his father. He, he saw no uproar and conflict in heaven and when he came to earth guess what he never ever felt like he had to stoop to be like a regular human trading insults he didn't lose his cool he didn't feel like I'm down here now 
I, you can't spec a lot from me. Guess I'll go down to the sports bar, pick me up a loose woman because you can't spec a lot from me. I'm just human. When he took his turn at being human, he still stayed as he was in the heavenly realm. As he is, he remained even in the chaos. And all of a sudden, John comes along and he says this, as he is, so are we in this world. Which means what? That we are to be so seated in heavenly places that in the middle of the conf con this uh, chaos, we understand, hey, you lack money, don't worry. Funding is available through the kingdom. He will feed you. He will clothe you. God's will, God's bill. I really believe this. When the Lord sent Kim and I to plant joy, there were so many doors that opened up. God did miraculous things. He's done miraculous things to keep us here. How many of you know that so many things that you lacked, you found out that God, through his kingdom, were bringing those things to you, and you found a ram, ram in a thicket on the right time. And so Jesus knew. I mean, God's will, it's the Father's bill. And so people would tell him, aren't you afraid? They want to kill you, Jesus. There were times he went right through a mob of people trying to kill him. He said, it's not my time. Skip it. Walk in peace. You see, when you know and believe the love that God has for you, it's amazing the kind of peace. Tranquilo. Nosotros necesitamos más paz desde Dios para cambiar a una persona más tranquilo. We need to be changed to tranquil people because we know the love of God. I was trying to speak French, but I think it came out a little bit like Spanish. Okay. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with torment or punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected, or the other word could be completed in love, as he is. That's the goal. That's the journey I want to take with you, is let's all just comfort one another. Take a chill pill. You're not, you know, well, you know, the world, you know, Chicken Little said that the sky's falling. It, yeah, it might be falling, but I can tell you this, you have a dad, and if the sky's going to fall, he's going to get you out. He loved you. He's going to protect you. How many of you know many things that we do that are really bogus, we do out of fear? You marry the wrong person. Well, no one's going to love me, and this guy saying he loves me. Well, is he going to love you tomorrow? Sometimes you just have to say, Lord, I will stay single all my life until you bring the right mate. Because I've come to know and believe the love that you have for me. And you're not deaf. You're the God who sees and hears. I've given my request to the office. I will be receiving reply. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and following. What then shall we say to these things? What things, Apostle Paul? All the things about the struggle between the flesh and the spirit. That with my heart, I yearn for the law of God, but with my flesh, I'm just doing what I wouldn't want to do. But we turn into 
chapter 8, and Paul is able to say, but praise be to God that <laughs> there's no, therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ who walk not according to the flesh, just letting it roll or trying to get your flesh to act religious. Both aspects of the flesh don't get you squat, but walking in the Spirit. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? It means when Dad says something about you, you got to believe it. I love you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I want you to imitate me as dear children. Well, my opinion, man, those conversations are so boring for me. Everybody's got an opinion. What did God say? Let's go to what God said. And so there's no condemnation when you walk according to the Spirit. You're you're, you're free in Jesus Christ. You're flying way above just the flesh. What can I extract from somebody? Who can I use? Who will make me happy? And you start walking in the Spirit. That as I serve others and I serve the living God, my needs, as I seek the kingdom of God, are loaded, backloaded on the back of my pickup. The things that Gentiles seek after. That's the kind of setup that Paul's referring to. What then should we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Everything you need was purchased the day that you called on God. And and in fact, it was actually purchased a couple thousand years ago. Jesus paid for every answered prayer you'll ever have. It's already been paid. He wants you to ask so that you have a relationship with him. He who didn't spare his own son gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's chosen or God's elect? How many of you have answered the call and said yes to Jesus? Yes, Lord, you're calling me. I want to be saved. I want to be a Christian. Yes, I agree. I need you, Lord. That makes you elect of God. That means you chose him and you responded to the call. Therefore, by your faith, you were elected. Who can bring a charge against you guys that were elected by God? Because the Bible says it is God who justifies. Someone comes up and George Carell, what do you think, you're some Christian or something now? This is my son, so he gets the same treatment the others did. <laughs> what justifies your thinking? That you're good enough to go to heaven, to be a child of God? And George looks around and he said, listen, in the court of heaven, I have one plea. I plead the blood of Jesus. That is my confession. Sure, I've done things that the Bible said, the wages of sin is death. I earned it. 
Without Christ, I will be paid in full. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What's your plea, George? I'm telling you, as a father to a son, even though there's a crowd listening, never forget your plea. Never try to fluff up your own righteousness and be worthy enough. It, none of us can do it. My plea is the blood of Jesus. It's he who justifies. It's he who has paid in full for your sins. <laughs> Man, I'm going to try to get out and finish this meeting sometime this afternoon. But this stuff is so touching to me. God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed, who indeed is interceding for us. How many of you want to have an intercession team praying for you 24-7? How about if you have Jesus on that team? I want to tell you something. That's your, that's your primary intercessor there. The rest of us, we're just trying to say what Jesus says. Yeah, we agree. What Jesus says, we agree with that. Jesus is interceding for you. Man, he might be saying, Father, George needs a spanking. Get him, round him up. You ever think that maybe Jesus interceded for times when we got yanked up? Something that we thought was so negative might have actually been Jesus saying, they're going to get destroyed if they go down that path. Maybe we need to put a speed bump in front of them. Maybe, maybe derail their car, cause their tranny to munch up and not work. Jesus is interceding. He's interceding to win the game. Not to just make us happy. He'll take away temporary happiness to give us long-term joy and peace and, and happiness too. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we have been killed all day long. What? You're introducing negativity here. You're telling us nothing's going to separate us. And now you give us like the downer verse. For, you, for your sake, we're being killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. I've read this for decades and it never made me happy. Until I read it and looked at where the context is. Let me finish out reading the verses and I'll go back to this verse. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow. That negative verse, verse 36, seems to like be the downer. And all these others are like good verses. And I went back and I said, okay, where was it written for your sake we're being killed all day long? And it's, the context is Psalm 44 when the sons of Asaph were doing a, a, a psalm of intercession. They were basically saying, God, it's as though you forgot us. The enemies have been messing with us and we, we love you and we know your past, that you're a deliverer. 
What it was, was Paul was giving us a model fear. There's never been a time that, that God's people have been wiped out. Not from the time that we were a small group in Abraham. He protected that family. He's protected the tribes. He's protected his church. Talk about easy to snuff. There was 11 of them because Judas killed himself. And 11 men were protected by God until the cat was out of the bag and they spread the gospel and the church was multiplying. I forget for the first 300 years, I think the church of Jesus multiplied either somewhere between 20 to 40% per year. What happens is when you feel forgotten, you feel slaughtered. We're slaughtered. We're destroyed. Everybody wins but us. That was the context of Psalm 44. And Paul was saying, even if that were true, as it is written, that was in their concept. Ah, we always lose. We always lose. A lot of the, the Jewish people and, and the subsequent Christians, they felt like we, we just seem to ha- have a lot of trouble. And he's going, no sweat. Even if you are being killed every day, did you know that there was martyrdoms right now in the last 100 years? There have been more martyrs within this last century and, and this new century than all of the combined years of church history. More martyrs have laid their life down in the, in the 1900s and the, in the 2000s. And yet, we're not all being slaughtered. What happens is you've got to be able to say, hey, I don't know the future, but I know who holds the future. And it's my dad. And I have come to know. And I've come to believe in the love that he has for me. That his steadfast, unrelenting love is going to take me through thick and thin. And even if my life seemingly was slaughtered, I know that nothing will separate me from the love of God. Neither life nor death. We're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers, things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. (laughs) God is so for us, (laughs) who can be against us? I think we've got these. God gave us Jesus so he will also graciously give us all we need. God justifies us, so who can condemn us? Jesus intercedes for us, so we are protected. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Not tribulation, not distress, not persecution, not famine, not nakedness, not danger, no weapon, not life or death, not angels or rulers, nothing presently here or still to come, no high thing or low thing, 
nothing else in all of creation, nothing can separate us. That's myself and y'all. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Concluding, he who has overcome his fears will be truly free. Quote by Aristotle. God wants to deliver us from the fears that nag us, that keep us from risking. I remember when Kim and I took off to plant this church, we had a little Fiat Brava, a 131 Fiat. We had furniture that we brought down from Portland and we came to this town and we really had nothing. But we were prepared. We bought 25 pounds of beans, 25 pounds of rice and playing cards. And we were here to believe, believing that God was going to allow us to survive. And we started getting the phone ringing off the hook. People that I don't know how they knew, they said, we hear you're a new young church planter in this town. My husband and I, we, we have a garden that we needed to glean. We went to this old couple's house and it was about a quarter acre garden that they hadn't harvested. They said, take all you want. And so we took some tomatoes and cucumbers and the usual. And the older lady said, do you have canning gear? I said, no, we don't. We load up that little car with vegetables and canning goods. Dad was saying, my will my bill. I really believe this, that if you need a jet to fulfill the will of God, don't worry. The kingdom has the funding. God has the funding. I remember the time I was driving through town and I was looking at all these nasty buildings and just saying, Lord, I'd like to have some place we could have church. Finally, I thought I was praying a prayer of resignation. I said, God, I'm not a good chooser. Would you give us the church building that you have for us? And then all of a sudden, within months, the Lord said, that's the one. And we didn't have any money. We had the threat of money and we started buying this church. We're here. With the threat of money, we bought joy. I'm just telling you that God wants to heal you of fears. Don't fear your future. Well, you know, times are so crazy, I fear having children. Don't rob yourself of the joy of a family because of fear. Have your babies. The same God who has kept Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. Don't let fear keep you out. Don't let fear that maybe you saw mom and dad go through a terrible divorce. Young people, so many of your generation do not plan to marry because they say, I never want to go through the divorce. And my heart bleeds for you. And it hurts me for you. But I'm letting you know, don't let the devil steal your future based on somebody else's past. Jesus overcame fear for us. We are now more than a conqueror. There's a story of this big old brawny boxer. And he was going to, in a, in a heavyweight title fight, $25 million purse for the winner. And he gets in there and he battles. And he is bleeding. 
and he's nearly knocked out, but fortuitously in the 12th round, he does an under, up, uppercut and he lands the other guy. Boom. And the people cheer, you're the world champ. You're great, you're a conqueror. He gets into the locker room, they cut off his gloves and the tape around his hands and, and then all of a sudden he gets the $25 million check. And he goes home and that cute little five foot four petite wife of his says, thank you, honey, I am more than a conqueror. And she takes that, that paycheck. That's kind of like us with the Lord. He paid everything for us to have very fruitful, productive lives in the kingdom of God. We are more than conquerors through him that has led the way. God is more real than any fear you could ever have. Finally, you are loved by God. You are free. 2 Timothy 1.7, last verse. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Could we stand together? Are there any of us believers here that could say, I'm still working on that knowing and believing the love of God? Still working on it. Still working on it. Don't be discouraged. That's what this journey is about. We've got to start where we're at. But let me say something that's very beautiful. It took faith and trust to get you to this spot. Just keep, keep it up. Lord, I'm going to trust you more because you're faithful and your love for me is unrelenting. Steadfast, everlasting love that you have for me. Week after week, we give people an opportunity to join God. I like to use that term, join God, because God couldn't do much more to join you. He, he gave you the earth to walk on. He gives you trees and plants and food. He gives us a great place to live our life. And then he gave us the son to take away our sins. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, according to Romans chapter five. And so we see that God's love was given towards us when we were at total enmity with God. And what does the Bible tell us that you need to do to receive the Lord? One is just call on his name. Romans 10 said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He, also in Romans 10, it said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will not be ashamed. There are things I've done that I, were sins that I cringe over, not because I feel guilty of them today, but because I was just embarrassed I ever was a part of that. But what happens is when you call on the Lord, he comes to take away that sense of shame, that sense of, well, because of my past, I'll never be worth anything. I'll never be able to be a good man of God or a good woman of God. Yes, you can. The deeper the stain of sin, the more powerful the testimony of the blood of Jesus that can cleanse those stains and make you to be someone to go, what? That was your past? I can't believe it. 
I've met many people you'd never know where they came from because they called on the Lord and he removed their shame. Right now, could we all bow our heads for just a moment and close your eyes? I just want to have a personal talk with those of you that are here and you know that there's something different that you feel. You know it's God. Maybe you've been trying to work your way to God. I'm trying to be a better person and, and my answer is good luck. Go take a bath soaked in diesel oil and tell me how it works. You need a shower. You need a solvent that can penetrate what stained you. There's only one solvent to take away sin stain in your life and that's the blood of Jesus that he freely gave. And so today, I want every one of you that say, I came here needing a new life and I want to join God and I want God to join me. I want to become a Christian. I want to be a brand new person in Christ. Raise your hand so I can get, get an idea. Every one of you that came in this place, I see a hand back here. I see a hand over here. Come on now, I see other hands. See a hand over here. Precious sister, a couple of sisters in the Lord. See a hand in the back. Come on now, this is a good day to get your hand up and say, I, I want God to take away the shame. I wanna be a brand new person in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, so powerful, so powerful. Let's pray that prayer together, okay, y'all? Those of you that have raised your hand, just repeat this with me and believe it from your heart. Dear Father, you're the one who offered salvation. You offered salvation to all of us who don't deserve it. I'm taking up your offer. You said if I call on your name that I would be saved. Save me now, Lord. Take away my sin. You said if I called on your name you'd take away my shame. I'm calling on your name. Take away the shame of my past. You said that if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Make me new, Lord. I need more than a makeover. I need a brand new existence. Change me, oh God. Make me new. If you'll be my God, I'll be your servant. If you'll be my father, I'll be your child. I receive you today, dear father. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. God bless you.